What lessons could be learned from the breach at Experian, which exposed personally identifiable information for 15 million customers of T-Mobile USA? Hi, I'm Matthew Schwartz, Executive Editor for Information Security Media Group, and I'm speaking with Mark James, a security specialist at ESET in England. Mark, what's your reaction to this breach? It's really strange with the way that data is at the moment and the numbers that we see. And this is an interesting case, of course, for T-Mobile because it wasn't actually T-Mobile that suffered the breach, but ultimately they're going to take the shunt from the public. It's their data ultimately that's gone awry. Certainly an interesting predicament, I think. The breach notification has gone to pains to point out that this data is required to be retained for 25 months and that a company such as Experian or else one of its competitors really has to be the one touching or holding on to this sort of data. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Experian held the data on their servers and they've had the breach. So, you know, ultimately they are responsible, obviously, unfortunately for T-Mobile and ultimately, unfortunately for the public. It's the public that suffer at the end of the day. You know, they're the people that, that are going to get the thong of attacks that is going to happen, that's going to come from the data that's taken, either for identity theft or for other means of targeted attacks to try and get more data or to use that data. You know, 15 million, that's a lot of data to go missing. Of course, the problem is certainly from T-Mobile's point of view, you know, they expect their data to be looked after, they expect it to be managed in a professional way, and sadly, it's gone awry in this case. It's an interesting question of, you know, what more could they do to protect it? And ultimately, all they can do is they have to look for a reputable company to hold this data and to keep it safe and hopefully be in the trusted knowledge that it is being held safe. Clearly, in this case, it hasn't been. What are some of the threats here from this type of information going missing, as you understand? Virtually everybody these days are used to their the emails that come through that are sent to dear user or dear sir or, or even to dear the wrong person completely, you know, dear Tim when it's addressed to Mark or something like that. And you instantly look at it then you know that it's rubbish, it's bam, it's gone in the bin, you've clicked delete, you haven't even worried about it. But when you get an email come through and it's got a degree of trust or a degree of relationship in that, so it's dear Mark or dear user, first or second name, and then with that, there is some information that, that's viable, that's actual real, you know, there's an address or a birth date, or in these instances, you know, a social security number or even a passport or driver's license. The type of information that's been stolen in this instance, as soon as you see something that you recognize, that's when your degree of trust steps up one level. That's when you move away from instant delete towards, oh, I need to read this, this is important. They know something about me, so it must be real. We always say, read the emails, check the information, check the grammar, check the spelling, check the content. But when that content looks real, when that has something that's viable that you can say, well, I recognize that, that is my date of birth, that is my home address, that is my passport number, that's when you're then tricked into clicking the next link or going to the next area to actually check to make sure that perhaps the data that they're requesting is legit because there's something in that email that you recognize. And that's the problem with this type of data that goes missing. You know, it enables criminals to just step up the mark, just to be able to deliver something that's a bit more tangible for you to trust and you to follow that link. Have we seen widespread examples of that happening? Because with data breaches, it's often the case that we're hearing this information could be used to personalize targeted attacks or phishing attacks against you, the consumer, or you, you know, the businesswoman or man. Do you know, is this widespread? How much is this happening? Do we have any clue, basically? It's a very difficult one, but I'm fairly confident in saying that, you know, yes, this data is used and this data is being used for this type of activity. We talk so much about spam. We talk so much about people trying to target you and to get your information. And people do learn. People do listen. There is a fair degree of emails that are just discarded every day because they just are rubbish. But more and more of this data is out there now and more and more of this data is getting more easily accessible by the criminals. 
and it is definitely being used for these purposes. But even just the smallest amount of data just to validate who you are. We don't just see it in emails, just the uptake in phone calls that we're getting now, which is sort of having the data. And I mean, I've personally had a phone call from a company where they've had data and I'm thinking to myself, where did that data come from? Where did you get that information? It's not now a case of saying, can I speak to the homeowner? It's now a case of, can I speak to Mr. So-and-so? And once that information is across, you're moving away from, no, I'm not interested, putting the phone down. Well, actually, well, that's me. Yeah, you've got that. So you've got some information which is right. And we're just seeing more and more instances where emails are coming through with more information. Phone calls are coming through with more information. And that information has got to come from somewhere. I'm fairly certain that so much of the information is coming from these type of data breaches. It's just happening more and more frequently nowadays. One of the data points, I guess, if you will, for the breach that Experian disclosed was that there was encryption on not all of the data. I think just social security numbers and ID numbers like driver's licenses, passport numbers. So two related questions. Are you surprised that more of the information wasn't being encrypted? And Experian says that the encryption seems to have been penetrated anyway. So I don't know if someone had remote access to someone's machine, for example, and was just going in that way. But any reaction to what was and wasn't encrypted and also the fact that the encryption apparently failed? Yeah, I mean, you know, in theory, encryption is only as good as a couple of factors. One, making sure that the actual encryption is in place. Most of the time we find that encryption fails is because it's either not enforced it's not dealt with properly. People don't understand how it works properly, so therefore it's not actually in place. Just having encryption isn't enough to actually make sure and protect the data. You know, we need to make sure that the data is itself encrypted. And of course, encryption is only as good as the people that have access to it. Encrypted data is only encrypted if you don't have access to that data correctly. If they've got logins and passwords of information of people that would have normal access to that data, then decrypting that data is not a problem. Encrypted data is only kept safe if the person that's got it doesn't have access to the authority to decrypt that data. So in theory, all of this data should be encrypted. Which is any more important? An address, a phone number, a date of birth, a social security number, a driver's license, or a passport? Who dictates which is more important than another? And all of that information could be used for identity theft, and it could be used for the wrong reasons. The only real way we're going to protect this is to say, look, if this is private data, if this is data that is deemed to be of a private nature, then it all should be encrypted. Without going into speculation, we don't actually know yet how the data was taken, who's involved in it, whether it's somebody on the inside, whether it's somebody's credentials that have been stolen. But if those actual credentials would normally have access to the decrypted data, then the encryption is irrelevant. Great point, yes. So we've talked about this a little bit, how it's frustrating for consumers, this type of breach, because through no fault of their own, their personal information has gone missing. It's frustrating for businesses such as T-Mobile, because they need to work with some kind of a credit services provider, such as Experian. And despite their best efforts, Experian is one of the best known brands. This information has gone missing. T-Mobile is at least a bit on the hook when it comes to consumer perception. What do we do? Do we more thoroughly regulate these credit rating agencies? Do we <laughs> institute jail sentences when breaches happen? As a consumer, it feels frustrating. You know, what can be done about this? And I think this is the biggest problem, is us as the consumers, we are literally stuck with nowhere to go. If we want to have a mobile phone, or you want to have a utility service at your house, whether it's electricity or gas or mobile phone, telephone, broadband, whatever, you have to submit data to a company. All you can do is read that little bit of information that says, we will take every possible means open to us to protect your data. What does that mean? What did it mean in the case of T-Mobile? Yet yeah, they're not at fault. Let's be absolutely clear on this. They weren't at fault. They went with a perfectly validated company, a large company. 
they use them for their data protection, which is better than a small company around the corner that hasn't, in theory, got that sort of backing behind it. And the data breaches still happen. So ultimately, as I say, it's us, the end user, that suffer. But the problem is, is we don't have any control over where this data goes, who looks after it, how it's protected. We often see these instances where the data is stolen. People say, sorry, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give you two years free credit check. And that's it. It's not going to happen again. We've put measures in place to stop it from happening again. But the problem is, a few of these companies, it is happening again. A few of these companies, this is not the first time. Whether it's exactly the same or slightly different, but it's not the first time. So there's something that we're not doing right. And when I say we, it's the global we, it's the big we. What are we not doing right? It can only be that we're not enforcing either high enough penalties or we're not protecting the data as best as possibly can. Now, whether that means that in this particular case, only some of it was encrypted or whether it all should be encrypted, but we certainly need to do something. We need to have a look at this data and see how we can protect it better and what we're going to do once these breaches happen. In theory, is it down to, like you say, jail sentences or bigger fines? But the fines need to be realistic. When we see a fine for a company, which is a few hundred thousand dollars or a few hundred thousand pounds, when you look at how much money they generate and profits, is that big? Is that the sort of thing that's going to make somebody stand up and say, right, we need to do something right now? I don't know. Sometimes in these cases, it doesn't seem to be. It doesn't seem to be relevant for the amount of money that the company makes. It's got to change. If we're going to make people accountable, it's got to be hard hitting. People have got to stand up and go, wow, that hurt. I need to do something about that. Yes. And can you talk about the irony, if that's the right word, of experience suffering a data breach and then offering breach victims two years of a complimentary identity theft service from Experian? It's an interesting one because different companies that could breach. And the first thing is, we're sorry it happened. Second thing is, we're going to make changes. And the third thing is, we're going to offer you credit protection. What else can they do? That's the scary thing. What else can they do? They can't get that data back. To me, when you look at it, you think you've already proved you can't look after our data. So what can you offer? What use is two years of credit protection? I think at the moment is the only thing people are going to take away from this and say, look, it would appear that they've learned, it appear that they're going to do something. They've given me something in return. But ultimately, it'd make an interesting survey, I think, you know, how many people feel safer because they've now been given two years credit check based off of these financial details. But the problem is with this is how the credit check, how that works, you know, how does that actually protect you? The sort of information that's stolen, names and addresses, dates of birth, those sort of things that are used in other instances. And it's the effect of that, you know, where that's used elsewhere to obtain other data, which causes other problems in relating to that from identity theft and those sort of things. Ultimately, it'd be interesting to see how many people are going to sleep any better that night knowing that they're offering a two-year credit check from a company that's actually lost their data in the first place. It's more of a case of, look, you know, what have we got to offer? What can we offer these people? And this, at the moment, seems to be the only thing we can offer is apologies and it's the norm to offer a two- or three-year credit check. Is it enough? I don't personally think so. I don't think we put enough value on our data, although it does seem to be more and more instances now where this data is going missing. But ultimately... There isn't really a lot else they can offer, which is unfortunate. Mark, thanks very much. That was really helpful. No problem at all. Thank you, as always, Matthew. For Information Security Media Group, this is Matthew Schwartz. Thanks for joining us.